0: Canuck Central Monday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw here in the Kintech Studio. What, I'm not in Cabo
1: anymore? Uh, no, you are not in, in Cabo anymore. <laughs> ola, ola! I almost spat out my water.
0: <laughs> Just trying to keep you on your toes, Sat. Just trying to keep you on your toes. It is uh, the Kintec Studio, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you Waiting for Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at Enzyme Pacific ca. Yes, uh, fresh off of a uh, week away. Did I miss anything? Uh, No, it was pretty quiet. It was a pretty quiet week? Not much happened. Canucks didn't sign their their general manager to an extension? Oh, I mean, there's minor news. And it It, happened to be like the second biggest piece of news that day?
1: Yes. it followed a trend that I think you're familiar with, uh, you know, getting the general manager on the show. Yes. And then moments later, something big happens and he didn't tell us about it. So, yes.
0: You don't have anything cooking, do you, Patrick? Uh, No, no, I don't. Definitely
1: not. Uh,
0: And then uh, the Canucks traded for Elias Lindholm.
1: And it it was just such a juxtaposition between him and Rutherford, because Rutherford also did an interview that day in Toronto. Yes. And said, maybe we'll do something before the All-Star break, (laughs) whereas uh, uh, Patty Tightlips didn't give us anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patty, kid, but he's great.
0: <laughs> uh, Patty Tight Lips. I like it. I ain't saying
1: nothing. I ain't saying nothing. I just make trades. <laughs> I don't talk. See, I, I much prefer, though. I mean, he doesn't talk, but then delivers yes. with news all the time.
0: He's just like, uh, I'm more about <laughs> actions over words. That's how, uh, Patrick Alvine gets his, uh, his business done. And, you know, it was, uh, Welcome back, though. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank yes. you. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, I know the weather hasn't been great here in Vancouver, although it was, it was uh, a
1: nice day today. I mean, we we did have actually. I brought the sun back with me. You did, you did. Yeah. I mean, yesterday was wonderful. Okay. Uh, I spent some time on the North Shore yesterday. I, I, it felt like spring. It was, it was a wonderful <laughs> day. Um, but. A f- couple days last week, actually got like 15, uh, 16 degrees. Oh, yeah, Abbotsford got eighteen. Wow. We had a bit of a, a bit of a pineapple express coming through. <laughs> I did not,
0: uh, I did not know this. So we had that. Uh, it was, was some rain. I was too involved, busy but... sipping on margaritas and mojitos and espresso martinis by yes. the by the pool. Playing and, a little golf and crying that you missed a trade. Yes, <laughs> I was very upset that I missed a big big news day. You, know, you knew this was going to happen. But people too. people know well should know this about us us guys working in sports radio. Like there's days you know where it's you're lamenting like oh what what are we going to talk about today? And you're 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 grasping especially in the summer right mm. when there's like a lot of slow news days. Um, and, but you live for the days where there's a big move. Yeah. And I guess. Uh, you know, I was taking taking the risk, knowing that it going away on the bye week, especially with this Canucks front office, that uh, this may very well happen, and uh, it, it, did. Uh, it did. Elias Lindholm was the number one target, and uh, he ends up being a Vancouver Canuck. Probably a good thing that he's already gotten a, a couple of practices in before his first game tomorrow against Carolina.
1: I mean, it, it, it's funny because the trade was made, and one of the one of one of the reasons they wanted to make it early was to give the team some more time to. Uh, get him up to speed with the organization and and gain some chemistry with the squad and one of the things they mentioned was there isn't a lot of practice time Mm -hmm. once you get into March and April like it's just like a mad dash a lot of games you're just trying to play the schedule out yeah Well, right off the bat, you get two practice days. And getting two practice days back-to-back is is something that's very rare in today's National Hockey League. There may not be too many of those the rest of the season. And I'm not saying the two practices uh, for Elias Lindholm ahead of his first game against Carolina, the team that drafted him, we might add. So some extra juice there, perhaps, for Elias Lindholm. But... I think it gives this team and him the best chance possible for this to be a fit that can work out, and having a couple practices right off the bat. Because honestly, sometimes a guy gets traded, and it's a week or so before they have a proper practice with the, yeah. with the team.
0: It's uh, it's clear they wanted to to get this done quickly and and be able to get him acclimated and and try to work this in as best as they possibly could. And given you know their scouting meetings at the early part of the bye week in in Arizona and all that they had done and the rumors we had heard, you know, our weekly conversations with earth. We talked about Lindholm quite a bit as, you know, a guy that was emerging as the Canucks target. You heard it on 32 thoughts. They clearly had this guy on the top of their board as who they wanted. And it's probably why I, I really like this deal. Sat, you know, this team has made a habit of hitting on the guys that they truly target and see as fits, with their roster, right? And we've seen it with Mikheyev. Mm -hmm. We saw it with all of the bargain buys they pretty much made in the summer. Teddy Bluger and Ian Cole. They've all been really strong fits for this team. They haven't had all that many misses as we've talked about and as we've seen in the two years that they've been on the job here in, in Vancouver. And that's why one of the reasons it gives me confidence that this Lindholm acquisition is a fit i i I didn't get a chance to 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 have the takes that i wanted to on trade day so i'm (laughs) going to take this opportunity now but that's honestly the main reason i like the trade they knew that this player or they really identified this player as the best addition they could make of the available players in this trade season and they went out made the early effort and got the deal done before other teams Mm -hmm. were ready to do that. And to be honest, I'm not really all that worried about the price. And one of the things that really stood out to me was, okay, the Flames took more money in this deal. They took the term of Andre Kuzmenko into next year. Now the Canucks have flexibility going into the summer. They've even opened up a little... a little bit of space going into the trade deadline. If they want to make some more additions and probably could make some more additions, which we might get to a little bit later on. So the fact that they had to pay a first round pick, which costs of doing business when you're dealing with this kind of thing and not somebody that I would consider among their top prospects, like among their upper tier of prospects, all due yeah. respect to Hunter Brustevich and the year he's having, but I don't like, I, I didn't think it was all that prohibitive of a trade cost for the Canucks to get this done. So they get their top target at a very reasonable price early on in the process so that he can have some runway to really get acclimated to his new team and fit in. I mean, it checked a lot of boxes for me for those reasons.
1: Yeah, and I mean, uh, y- you know, the cap space, we'll delve into this a bit more tomorrow, uh, yeah. perhaps in terms of the flexibility the Canucks now all of a sudden have. That's a big part of it, where you're paying this price, but you have a tangible benefit, even if Elias Lindholm leaves with the added cap space. Now, again, that's more of an offseason conversation. But in terms of like where it goes now, there's so many different ways to fit him in onto your roster. And I was thinking about this last night, just in terms of where he can play on this team, what he can do for you, and... The biggest selling point for him, for me, when I kept looking at him, we talked about this, was every single game situation he can play in. Yep. PK, power play, late in the game where you're trying to get a lead, late in the game where you're trying to protect the lead. Uh, he's playing; He can play against the other team's top lines. He can play in a scoring role. He can essentially play in every high stake situation you need and give you serviceable to good minutes. That's huge, especially come playoff time, right? Obviously, he's going to start off with Elias Petterson. I am curious about how that line is going to really come together mm-hmm. and a big part of it's going to be who the line mate is now we know mikhayev starts off with those guys and we'll see how that delves into but what type of player would you want to see with those guys like do you want to see somebody who's a shooter do you want to see somebody who's more of a four checker i'm not quite sure yet because we have to kind of see how it's going to happen yeah but i do know what Mikhaev can do in theory and the way he can forecheck, the way he can use his speed, and the way he is generally a shoot-first player that when he gets into positions, he will shoot the puck if he can. I wonder if he can do enough for that to be a really compelling trio. Because one of the things that I wondered about too was if you put Lindholm and Mikheyev together, let's say you put Pedersen back with Miller and you have the lotto line reunited, are those two guys strong enough together to be a shutdown duo? Mm -hmm. In theory, yes. Especially without Lindholm, right? But can they also play with Pedersen at a high level together? Because that's the one thing I wonder about. If you can find gold with that trio, then you're not concerned at all. But is that going to be the trio that's going to make it work this season?
0: So... Mikhaev, I feel like he is sort of the X factor in this trade for Elias Lindholm in a way. And uh, Rick Tockett was was asked about that uh, today, about McKayev's fit on that line, how he hasn't been scoring lately, and uh, why he's getting the early look to play with uh, Elias Pettersson and Elias Lindholm. Here it is. No, I'm not concerned with the scoring. I, I, this is this is a big. I think this is a big. I'm, I'm playing with these two guys, and I got to see some forechecking from him. I got to see some winning some battles, and and I think coming up with loose pucks when you're playing with those two kind of players like that. So I want him to drive the play, especially as a, a top forechecker for us, um, because you know when you, you know you should get Jim Juice. You know he's got he's got guys that have the puck a lot, that can hold on to pucks and can make plays. So you know this is a this is a. This is a test for Mick. I mean, I got to see some good stuff out of him here on this line. So that is Rick Tockett on on Ilya Mikheyev's fit with that line. It's it's a challenge for him. It's when I think of Ilya Mikheyev's season, uh, you know, it is still very much uh, recovering from the big knee surgery that he had last year and building himself up and getting back to some of the bursts that we expected him to have when he was signed by the Vancouver Canucks but I also I don't want to sound too harsh on Andre Kuzmenko but you know his <laughs> like Ilya McKay have spent a lot of his minutes with Andre Kuzmenko and yes. Kuzmenko was really going through it and so I think sometimes there's a I'm compensating for Kuzmenko who's not doing his job to the best of his abilities at all times. He's not recognizing he needs to be the first four checker or where he needs to be in the defensive zone. And I think there was some of those uh, issues that filtered into uh, into Mikhaev's game. I'm not worried about scoring. Much like Rick Tockett, like, uh, Mikheyev, he's probably going to be like a 15 to
1: 20 goal guy no matter what he does. You know, like, that's just kind of the player he is yeah and i mean he's still on pace for like what 18 goals he's yeah. on pace for 40 some points it's not like that that he's having this like dreadful year where he's on pace for seven eight goals it's just a lot points. of it
0: came in the early part
1: of the season yeah and he's a streaky player yeah that's what he's always been but here's the thing you know guys who are 40 50 point scorers they're gonna have streaks yeah if you score 40 points that means there's 40 games you're not getting points in at least
0: yeah he had so many goals early in the season You know, it it was either it was going to tail off or he was going to have an Andre Kuzmenko type season (laughs) where he shot 27 percent for the entire year. But I I think him having a defined role where I'm going to be the first four checker. This is the guy I'm I'm expected to be on this line. And now I have um, both Pedersen and Lindholm, two also defensively responsible players that I'm working with. I think the line just gels a lot better. So I look at Mikhaev as being an X factor on that line. And if he does get some of his burst back, which we've seen in spurts here over the last couple of months, I think he's really going to have a nice fit and probably have his best stretch as a Canuck player Coming out of this and with these two linemen,
1: yeah, I mean you would hope so. And in terms of like how he played, one of the things about Mikheyev too, like he's still been responsible defensively. Yes. You know, his offensive play hasn't quite been there. And to your point, in terms of playing off Kuzmenko, this is something Pedersen spoke about when he had, was playing with Suter and Lafferty, and when or and when he played with Mikheyev and and Lafferty, he's he mentioned that hey, having two guys that you know are going to backcheck and you know are going to be in the right spot makes life a lot easier. So I think there was some of that going on. I do think McKeever has to be better, but I don't think his defensive play has ever really tailed off. Like he, when I mean, people wonder why is he not getting healthy scratched, well, because he doesn't have the same lapses, yeah. that Kuzmenko and other players have had. Right, uh, the PKs played a lot better. He's played a lot more on the PK. I think that plays a part into it, and he's still been overall pretty good at digging pucks out offensively. He needs to forecheck a lot better, right? Can he dig a lot of pucks out? And I see people texting him, Tyler and Allen and Abby saying, hey. Get, get Hoaglander up there to play with um, Pedersen and Lindholm instead. The question here is, is is Hoaglander going to consistently forecheck and win enough battles and be strong defensively to be able to have the trust to play 14, 15 minutes a game yeah. at five on five in that role? And I just wonder, Like I think his game is, has, has really developed. He does a lot of good things. He can forecheck, but he can also at times overextend. And that's okay when we're playing the role he's playing now, and I think it's fine the way he's playing, but that's a far higher stakes situation. As much as Mikhaev has had his problems, defensively, he very seldom makes mistakes. He's very strong along the walls, right? He's very consistent in how he forechecks and, and where he goes and how he tracks back defensively. I just wonder if the coach trusts Hoaglander enough and if Hoaglander can, can play at that high a stakes level on a line that's going to see a lot of tough matchups where he can do that consistently. From a skill level, I don't think yeah. that's, that's a problem. It's that role specifically. And ask yourself if you think you can repeat that for 14, 15 minutes a game.
0: It, and it's not just about, again, it's, it, it doesn't come down to scoring goals. Sometimes in that in that role, we know Hoaglander can do that. But if that line with Patterson, Lindholm and whomever their left winger is right now it's going to be Ilya, Ilya Mikheyev if that line is going to be expected to take on the other team's top opposition if that line is going to have to go up against Jack Eichel and Mark Stone in the playoffs if they're going to have to go up against uh, Connor McDavid in the playoffs whatever it might be that's where you wonder how Nils Hoaglander would respond in that situation. And the other value that Hoaglander is really bringing to this team is that not only do they have a third line in the the Bluger-Garland-Joshua line that's often winning their matchup, but now that fourth line is often winning its matchup yeah. and scoring goals. And Taka gets them out there against you know a soft matchup, and he knows, okay, maybe we're going to have some offensive zone time. Yeah. It's going to give the rest of our guys some jam here, pick them up a little bit, and maybe start to turn, turn and tilt the ice in our favor. And that's what they've done so well, is when they've won those matchups in the bottom six, they've started to translate it into longer stretches of, Offensive zone time, you know, having teams sort of pinned where they can just like, all right, we just got to flip it out and get a line change and then the Canucks go back on the attack. And that's something where Nils Hoglander's brought a ton of value, and maybe you don't want to take away from that value to try and see if he can really fit in one of those top
1: six spots. Yeah, 100%. And I think the benefit is now you have a four line team. Yes. And I love to see, like, what I would love to see is for Suter to be able to go back down and yeah. that Oman is your 13 forward. And that means bringing somebody else in, in the wing, right? And, you know, we've talked about this before, but can you get a better PDG to play with Miller right. and Messer? And I'm, no, I don't mean offense, Dan. I no, mean, I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. Yeah, you, you understand know, what I've, I'm trying I've, to I've, say. I started
0: <laughs> coming to terms with this.
1: <laughs> but hey, we all like what he's done, but somebody a, a bit at a higher level yeah. and doesn't need to be this you know, bonafide top six guy, but somebody that can give you maybe 15 goals, 30 some points, but a ferocious uh, four checker, right? That that can do a lot of things for you. Okay, sure. I mean, he can play along in that role and I think that could be at least an upgrade on what you can have. And Mikheyev's interesting because I think he's the type of player that has value across the league because there's few guys like him that can yep. do what he can do and play with top guys. He Size, has a, speed, defensive responsibility. And that's why he got the contract with Vancouver. And that's why those guys will always be in some demand. Now that you've traded Kuzmenko, and part of the reason you got Mikheyev was not only because of what he can do, but with Kuzmenko and everything like that, right? How important is it for him, Mikheyev, that is specifically, especially with, 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 his, with what is at stake for this team, how important is it that he shows he can play with these guys by yeah. the deadline? And could they surprise us with another Russian going out of town, potentially here, and then bringing somebody else in? And, and I'm not expecting that to happen, but it's very clear that these guys have a very um, high standard for this season, and they're going to be exploring every avenue. And if it's going to look like Mikhail is going to be a tough fit in his, in the top six, and you don't have enough guys to play in that top six to begin with yeah. alongside those players, does something like that come into the equation? I'm not expecting any big moves from the Canucks until the deadline, but I do think it's going to be fascinating to see how this goes until then because I do think they'll still be looking to add. The question is how far do you want to go and how far do you feel like you need to go if you don't find some answers to play alongside Pedersen and Lindholm and also who can play alongside Besser and Miller.
0: And there's another one of the benefits of this trade opening up a little bit of cap space. Yeah. Look, you don't have a ton. Um, You'd probably have to move something out to get uh, my my dream possibility of of Frank Vetrano, who, by the way, did anybody notice... Rick Tocchet calling him Frank the Tank on the weekend at the All-Star game. I don't think it was a coincidence that Frank Vetrano was drafted by the Hughes team and ended up playing with basically all of the Canucks That's minus Fred Elias Petterson. Yeah. And now we find out he's friends with Elias Petterson. What is happening? I don't know. But Frankie Frank Vetrano, you can make the All-American line with Frank Vetrano, JT Miller and Brock Besser. I mean, I love it. It just the storylines write themselves right now uh with with that. You know, the Canucks just the ultimate american and swedish team yeah. that uh, that goes on a stanley cup run but uh, my conspiracy theory is that uh, there was a thought process behind having frank vetrano on the uh, heavy canucks laden team at the all-star game over the over the weekend just a tinfoil hat i think so idea
1: or but, it could be the him and patterson are just buddies yeah patterson said pick him it could be <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talk about the odd couple. Of all the people you would consider Elias Petterson, I I don't know. Like to be a friend with in the in the NHL, Frank Vetrano is the guy. What what happened there? But anyways, they had great chemistry. I don't know if you guys noticed uh at the All-Star game over over the weekend. It, it reality is throwing my tinfoil hat into the garbage. Um bringing in a salary like that would be a little too expensive right now for the Vancouver Canucks. They'd have to do some finagling to to make something like that work. But there is still room for them to add another forward to this team set.
1: Absolutely there is. And I mean they don't even have to necessarily add somebody who's again Bona Fide top six player. It's more about can you upgrade on what you have currently. Yeah. And to me it's like who's the player you can upgrade on this roster currently is Niels Oman And here's the beauty if you upgrade on Olman it can be a winger. Because then suitor can go back down to playing center on that line, which yep. opens up a spot in your top. So that's what you're looking at. Can you get a suitor comparable player that's more adept at forechecking with more pace that can play on that on that yep. line? And I think if you can add one of those players, like there's no obvious hole. Like as much as we're talking about Mikheyev here, and you know people are texting in and saying you know Hoaglander like Tambier saying Hoaglander can do the things you guys are talking about. I'm just not sure he can do it in the defensive part and the forechecking part consistently enough, 14 15 minutes a game, and. To those saying you don't need to have a, a matchup line, come playoff time, you need to have a line that you can put out there in critical situations. Yeah. Do you currently have that with this team right now? Like, the way Garland's been going, it's great, but are they a true match? Like McDavid and Drysaitel. Yeah. You got to face those guys, perhaps in the second round. That's how it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in positions where you need to have a line that goes up against them and holds their own, and at least say in, in a critical moment can play against them. And do you feel like Hoglander can do that? Do you feel like you need a line that can handle some of those minutes? As good as uh, Garland, Bluger, and Joshua have been, probably, do you think not, gonna, those it's probably not those guys, right? And we've seen the team experiment with it as well, right? So I think these are the things the team is looking at here, and I do think they would like to improve on it.
0: I'm, uh, I'm being heavily called out for not watching the uh, the draft, the all-star draft on the uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, yes, I didn't watch the draft, Okay. <laughs> Frank Vitrano was not picked by uh, by the Hughes team. He was one of the uh, the lottery picks at the end of the draft. Okay,
1: yeah, I mean, I, kind of I forgot gone. about that. What you do, mention what do you want? That? From me? I, didn't, I didn't even pick it up. I was I, kind of, I watched the draft, but I was kind of like half paying attention to it. Uh,
0: it wasn't Sad's fault. It was all me. I just uh, I'm making things up as I get back from uh, from vacation. So yes, uh, Vitrano was a random pick. You caught my mistake. That's why you guys are here.
1: That's, that's, that's what you're here for. I, apparently, I made a mistake too. Uh, I said voracious. Instead of, uh, instead of voracious, instead oh, of okay. voracious, I think I said. And I'm like, dicky Dictionary. I, I thought
0: this was one of those uh, 4D chess kind of things. No. <laughs> uh,
1: it's Sometimes all, we misspeak. It happens. We make, mis- we make mistakes.
0: It definitely happens. Uh, but thank you for calling me out on my mistake on uh, Frank Vitrano. Still, my, uh, my tinfoil hat theory exists. They wanted Frank Vitrano the whole time. Um, I wanted one final thing on, uh, on Elias Lindholm. I think there's a real value in having a motivated Lindholm who's had a tough sort of... Like he had the 42-goal the season where he was a Selkie finalist and since then hasn't been nearly as good. Now you bring him in. You're going to play him in a big spot. He's going to get playoff viewing. And... He's in the midst of an incredibly underwhelming contract season. Backed up with a poor season last year. Like this guy has more motivation than ever to have a really strong run here so that he can hit the jackpot and get a Solid final contract or probably his last big shot as a big contract like Lindholm has an opportunity to go from a guy who right now is maybe looking at like seven million in the off season to potentially being an eight million dollar plus player if he really has a strong finish
1: here with the Canucks. Well, if he stays healthy, 33 games. Yeah. That's a lot of games, right? Plus yeah. playoff you, you games. You can do a lot of damage in 33 regular season games, right? Like if him and Pedersen he really starts looking more like the
0: guy who scored 40 a couple of years ago, now all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's really increasing his value as he heads into unrestricted free agency.
1: I mean, the way he went last year, he had like over a 30-game stretch, I think he had something like 40-some 40 40 points and almost 20 goals. Yeah. Let's say he has 18 goals and, and 40 points. Yeah. In 33 games? And all of a sudden you add... And now he's finishing the season with something like 60 some points, almost 70 points and and 25 goals. It looks a lot different. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, look at him regaining his game again. There's nobody available in the free agent market outside of Gensel if he gets there pretty much. Yeah. On the higher end in Stamkos and that's pretty much it. It's a really thin free agent class. Like someone's going to give him a boatload of money. And I mean, it could be the Canucks. It very well could be. I just don't think... Again, like this is getting ahead of things too much with Lindholm, but... Are you paying him more than what you're paying JT Miller? I don't think they would do that. Yeah, that that would be a tough ask. You know, I I think they have some sort of internal cap and and, and views of how guys fit in or whatever. And if they can get him around that same, I I can see them being intrigued by it. Could they do the, the, the reverse of the JT? Seven million over eight years. Right, So same total money, but AAV slightly lighter, but you have an extra year on it. Maybe that's too rich for your blood anyways, but just ways they can work this out. I just don't think, you know, if he's going to get eight and a half or eight million plus, I don't think that'll be in Vancouver.
0: It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah coming up, Ian McIntyre from Raleigh as the Canucks get ready to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. His take on what he's seen at practice the last couple of days and uh, what he thinks Elias Pettersson and Rick Tockett were actually talking about today at practice. It's Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah, Canucks Central.